thanks for tuning in to the Durban Memorial Baptist Church podcast. We're a group of sinners saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and here you will hear the Word of God. It's once again an honor and a privilege to have this opportunity to divide the Word of God together as a church. I want to begin this morning by asking just a very simple question. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? Do you ever feel like overwhelmed? Do you feel like the weight of the world is weighing down on you? Do you feel like there's a million different voices pulling you in a billion different directions? Do you feel like the to-do list is ever growing while nothing is ever actually getting done? Do you feel like you don't know how to pick a side in the midst of a monumental argument? I want to model transparency for the church and tell you all that this week had the opportunity to feel like that in my own life, to check many of those own boxes in my own life. Uh, I started out this week at the Kentucky Baptist Convention. I was there Monday and Tuesday, and it was a really great meeting, but I left filled with ideas that are going to need to be turned into actualities before they're forgotten. And we were also told about all the innumerable amounts of mission needs and opportunities there are across the state and across the world. And each of them have good value, but there's no way that we can participate in them all. And that leaves me thinking about all the people that are being left unserved. And then when I returned on Wednesday, I was met with a multitude of challenges that needed to be given directions. On Thursday, the doctor decided that we're going to endure our boy on a date that's a little bit sooner than what we were thinking about before but if he comes sooner then the house isn't quite ready to go and so yesterday we spent every day doing all the cleaning around the house that we could getting prepared for Christmas we got Thanksgiving coming up this week Christmas coming up in a little bit I haven't even started Christmas shopping and should I have started Christmas shopping on top of all of this anytime I get on the internet or check the news the world is screaming the sky is falling feels like there's so much to do and no time to do it and apparently one wrong move could tear the tiny thread holding this society together i don't tell you this because i think that i am especially stressed above others that i need your pity i'm not saying that at all i would guess that many of you have much more pressing matters going on in your own lives than i do i actually had a really good week Sure, there were challenges to overcome, but things never got to the point of hyperbole that I was showing there in the, a moment ago. Things never got to the point of overwhelming, and that's because God used his word, the very section that we're going to be looking at today, to produce the peace of Christ and prepare me to go through a week of challenges. Amen. Hear me out. I am not suggesting that I, Brad Pierce, have some special access to this amazing spiritual security that raises me above everyone else. On the contrary, I'm nothing. I'm no one. And I stand before you today as a humbled man testifying to the grace of God. I stand before you today to let you know that Scripture is more than words on a page. 
It's the word of God that pierces to the division of soul and spirit. It teaches, reproves, corrects, and instructs through the hearing of which comes faith and the living and abiding word of God is the imperishable seed through which we are born again, convicted of the Holy Spirit and sealed unto the day of redemption. Here's what I'm getting at. In this time, we are about to be celebrating Thanksgiving. I'm shouting Psalm 62. After the introduction there, it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone I wait. From God alone comes my salvation. God alone is my rock. God alone is my salvation. God alone is my fortress. So when the rain comes and the storms start trying to rock the boat, I shall not be greatly shaken. God is worthy to be praised in all situations. When you don't know God, it's easy to get caught up in business and confusion of this world. But when you have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the main priority is made clear and there is peace amongst the chaos. The reality is Christians still struggle with the sinful flesh. We are prone to forget the truth of the gospel and the peace that it provides. So today we're going to see a formula for enjoying the peace of God while living in a chaotic world. Let's go ahead and show that. We're going to fill in the blanks as we go, but our intention today is to create a formula, to look at a formula for enjoying the peace of God while living in a chaotic world. If you would, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 4, but before we get there, I'll give you a little background on the book. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He is thanking them for their generosity and their support while he's been imprisoned. Paul, uh, being so committed to the functioning of the local church, also provides them with some Uh, guidance for some of the issues that they were going through. He warns them about false teachers, much like what we were reading about in 1 John when we walked through that series. And then in the verses directly before where we're going to pick up today, in verses, uh, what is it, 2 and 3, Paul is addressing a uh, situation in which the the church, there's a dispute happening in the church, an apparent dispute, dispute between two ladies Within the church, he instructs the church to reconcile the differences and remain focused on the work of the Lord. Why is this important? Why do we need to know this background as we are preparing to look at what we are going to see today? That is because it shows us that even in the early church, and even in a letter as hopeful and uplifting as Philippians, the sinful flesh often rears its head, and we need to be called back to our primary attention. Paul writes this letter from prison, and yet his tone is joyful. We see that when we are in Christ, the burdens of this life do not go away. But there is peace in all situations, the peace of God. Don't get it twisted. This is no mere cliche. In the text, 
we'll see how that peace is manifest in our lives. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The first piece of this formula is praise. Praise. When the world seems like it's crashing down around you, praise the God who is your rock and your salvation. Remember the context of this verse. Paul had just instructed the church to fix interpersonal issues that were going on. There was a, a lady spat going down in the church and he says, fix the issues that are going on. Y'all got to fix this. And he reminds them that they are on the same team. They enjoy the same salvation. They work together for the Lord. And then he says, rejoice in the Lord always. He doesn't just say it once. He says, again, I will say rejoice. See, this is completely contrary to the nature of the flesh. We've all heard the saying, misery loves company, right? When something bad happens, our first inclination is not to lift up praise. But that's exactly what we're called to do. Praise reorients our attention where it belongs, even in the midst of calamity. Yes, I am suggesting to you, the next time you face a time of conflict, lift up praise to the Lord. Seriously, lift up a praise to the Lord. Through our praise, we are reminded that God is in control and he uses all things for the good of those who love him. When your boss is coming down on you over a missed deadline, lift up a psalm of praise. When you're overwhelmed by the never-ending to-do list, lift up a hymn of praise. In times of loss, lift up a song of praise. I know, I know this is, that this sounds counterintuitive. But when you have been saved by the grace of God and understand that he is in sovereign control, you understand that he is worthy to be praised. Amen. As Paul puts it, this is not just sometimes worthy to be praised, but always rejoice in the Lord. I saw this play out beautifully recently. Many of y'all might have been familiar with local pastor Tim Parsons. I didn't know him, but I, I knew people who knew him, and I've only heard wonderful things about him. He passed away a few months ago from the virus. And here's the public statement that his wife put out online. She said, Tim went into the arms of Jesus around 1 a.m. this morning. We were able to be with him. So he was surrounded by his family and we prayed and worshiped with him as he peacefully entered the presence of heaven. He will be greatly missed, but we trust our heavenly father as we know that no matter what, he is Good, all caps, exclamation point. Amen. Praise reorients our heart to the God of our salvation. Praise produces peace. But Paul continues. Look at verse five. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So we have praise and then we have remember. We enjoy the peace of God when we praise and when we remember. What is it that we are remembering? 
that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. That refers to the closeness of the Lord. This is a reminder that we abide in the Lord and the Lord abides in us. In Psalm 119.51, we read, But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We can be reasonable in times of chaos because we know the Lord lives in us. We live by faith in the Son of God. He loved us. He gave his life for us. Church, we got to remember the gospel. If there's been one theme that I want recognized throughout my ministry here at this church, I hope that it is the centrality of the gospel. The gospel should permeate through every single thing that we do. Spurgeon told a story of an old preacher who was critiquing a young preacher and the, the young guy got up and he preached a sermon and came down and he asked the older preacher if he liked it. And the old man said, no. The guy said, why? I did all my study. I did everything I needed to do. And the preacher said that there was no mention of the gospel. There was no mention of Jesus. The boy said, well, there was no mention of Jesus in the scripture. And Spurgeon recorded the old man as saying back, but do you not know that from every little town and village and tiny hamlet in England that there is a road leading to London? Whenever I get a hold of a text, I say to myself, there is a road from here to Jesus Christ. And I mean to keep on his track till I get to him. Well, said the young boy, but suppose you're preaching from a text that says nothing about Christ. The old man said, then I will go over hedge and ditch, but I will get at him. <laughs> the point the old preacher is making there was not that we have to force something upon the text to make a connection to Jesus, but rather that all of God's word leads to redemption through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is the gospel. Why must we remember him in all things? Why must we focus on the gospel? Because if he is the center of God's word and he is the center of our salvation, he must too be the center of our lives. Even when times are especially difficult. Remember the Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, we read there in verse 5. When we understand that we have been reconciled to God through the complete work of Jesus, Christians should be the most reasonable people on the planet. We should be content in our circumstances. We should be generous with our gifts and our forgiveness. We understand that we have been promised eternity in the presence of the Lord. We understand that the toils of this life will fade away as we pass on to glory. The Christian should be grounded in the faith and live with hope. We shouldn't live like those who have no hope. We're going to touch on that a little bit more later, but while we strive for justice and seek to be a good witness, we should understand that our hope is not in fixing everything that ails this world. 
Our hope is in the one who will bring the new heaven and the new earth. Not our abilities to create that. When we allow ourselves to get worked up, we're really saying that we know better than the God who is in control. Christians, be reasonable. Remember, the Lord is at hand. Remember, you have the Lord. The Lord is close. So amidst trial and confusion, we praise and we remember. There's so much more in this equation as well. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we have praise, we have remember, here we see prayer. In times of distress, we praise the Lord, we remember the gospel, and now we pray to enjoy the peace of God. Rather than being anxious about everything that there is to be done, we pray. What Paul is really saying in that verse is, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. We looked at prayer quite a bit in the conclusion to the book of 1 John. We were reminded that in prayer, we are showing that we understand God is in control. Pastor Wearsby expounds on this kind of prayer that we are called to employ here. And he says, it begins with adoration. For this is what the word prayer means in verse 6. This is love, enjoying the presence of God, honoring him in worship rushing into his presence and begging for peace of mind will never get results. We must bow before him in worship and let him search our hearts and minds. Next comes supplication, which means the earnest, sincere desire of the heart. True prayer comes from the heart, not from the lips. What a joy it is to present our requests to him. And finally, there is appreciation or thanksgiving. It takes faith to thank him for uncomfortable circumstances or for requests not yet granted. How God loves to hear his children thank him. Praying like this will lead right into our next portion of the formula. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here we add humility. Humility. In that quote that I read a moment ago from Wearsby, it said, It takes faith It takes faith to thank God for uncomfortable circumstances or for requests not yet granted. I would add that it also takes humility to thank God for uncomfortable circumstances or prayers not yet answered. It takes understanding that God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We come before the Lord humbled, By his grace. In verse 7, we saw that the peace of God God's guards our hearts and minds. That peace is humbling because it surpasses even our own understanding. Spurgeon wrote about that peace and he said, Some have said that it means that the ungodly man cannot understand it. And that statement is true, but it's not a tithe of the whole meaning. For even he who enjoys it cannot understand it. It is deeper, it is broader, it is sweeter, it is more heavenly than the joyful saint himself can tell. He enjoys what he cannot understand. What a mercy that such a thing is possible, for otherwise our joy would be narrow indeed. 
Y'all, we must be resolved to know that it is so much greater than we could ever comprehend. Christians can live with a humbled contentment knowing that they're in the hand of God the Father. Our hearts and our minds are guarded by the peace of God. MacArthur notes that that term guard is a military term. It means to keep watch over. God's peace guards believers from anxiety, doubts, fear, and distress. God provides that peace through Jesus. Our hearts and our minds are guarded in Jesus Christ. The peace of God is only made available through Christ. I'm reminded of the hallmark verse of this past year for me. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The ultimate peace is being reconciled to God through Jesus. Christ was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The hero of that statement It's not us. It's the Lord. Our salvation and the peace that it brings that comes from there comes not from our works and our abilities, but from Jesus. Christian, be humble. Be still and know that he is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. When we understand that we are in him, we are constantly reminded of the peace that goes beyond our understanding. Humbled before the Lord. We understand we don't have to understand. But there's more in this formula for enjoying the peace of God that we see in Philippians. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The next addition to our formula there is focus. Let me to read this verse again as Paul continues to explain enjoying the peace of God. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let me just go ahead and say... CNN, Fox News, and Facebook are none of those things. Studies have shown a direct link between depression and anxiety and the use of smartphones. Now, you might say, well, I don't use a smartphone or I'm not on my phone all the time. But there have been similar direct correlations made between the increase of depression and anxiety and the advent of the 24-hour news station. The problem of our time is an oversaturation of information. We have been duped into thinking that our life is dependent upon being ever connected to the digital world, which has made us disconnected from the real world around us. This is not a problem that is exclusive to the younger generation. Although they will likely have more and more potential new distractions arise, rather this is a problem of the whole of our society. But God, 
What a great statement. But God, in his great providence, has shown us right here in this scripture how to rise above the depression and the anxiety that this new world brings. The answer is focus. Focus. Focus on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Paul writes to think about these things. Paul uses the word whatever, and that might sound vague to us, but it points us in a great direction. Focus on the triune God of the universe. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and focus on his word. You want to know whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? Those things are. If you want to enjoy the peace of God, spend less time on Facebook and more time on the good book. Spend less time on the news feed and more time on your knees. Spend less time on Fox News and more time on the good news. I got to be honest with you, I came up with three and didn't know which one to pick. I said, I'm doing all three. This sounds like cheesy, clever pastor talk, and I can see that, but I am as serious as I can be. I am not saying that we have to be completely isolated from what is going on in the world, but our number one focus should be the number one thing. No wonder we aren't living in peace when our lives are centered around screaming news pundits on the other side or living in the vanity of collecting as many likes and comments as we can. Our hope doesn't come from the news. Our value doesn't come from the approval of others. But both of those things are found in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Christ Jesus, we have eternal hope and our efforts are used for his eternal glory. Focus on those things. There's one last part of this equation that I want to go over. If we look at verse nine, verse nine, we see what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. In this verse, we're told to practice what we preach. Practice what we've heard there in verse 9. The deeper we walk with the Lord, the more we will feel the peace of God. Here's what we got to understand. At the moment that we are convicted by the Holy Spirit of our sins, we give our lives to Christ. If we want to say it that way, we are justified. That is, we are signed, sealed, delivered. (laughs) We are saved. We are born into the family of God. We are sealed into the day of redemption. But we are not instantaneously sanctified. Paul writes these words to the church in Philippi, not because they are in danger of losing their salvation, but rather because they, like us, are in need of encouragement and direction as they press on in the pursuit of holiness for God's glory. This is sanctification. We grow stronger in the Lord. We grow in our sanctification as we practice, as we live out what he has called us to do, as recorded in the word of God. 
This part doesn't happen overnight. Sanctification grows. I went hunting earlier this week, and as I was sitting there in the blind, I was thinking about this message, and then all of a sudden, I heard a squirrel bark. I laughed a little bit because it made me think about when I first started deer hunting a few years ago. The very first time I went out by myself, I was on edge the entire time right? I would hear something rustling in the, wo- in, the, in the woods, in the leaves there. I would hear something. I would jump up, ready to go, ready in action. I put the gun, ready to go, and then I'd look at where that sound was coming from, and wouldn't you know it, but it was just a squirrel. I'd settle down, get myself prepared, and then another rustle. <laughs> ready to go. Wouldn't you know it, it was another squirrel. <laughs> Then I'd hear this barking. I don't know if you ever heard a squirrel bark. They do. <laughs> but I didn't know it was a squirrel. I was like, that's got to be a deer. So I started looking around and when you know it, it's just another squirrel. One of the very first time I got caught up looking at these rustling and barking squirrels to my left. And then I was like, well, that's just a bunch of squirrels. I relax, look back to my right. And wouldn't you know it, there's a beautiful buck staring at me 15 yards away, maybe. He looked at me, knew I was completely unprepared. He gave me a little, which I am convinced was a laugh. (laughs) He took off before I ever had a chance to take a shot. Since then, I've learned a little bit of the different sounds of animals. I'm getting better at this as we go. I don't get as caught up staring at squirrels when I'm looking for bucks. Friends. As we learn to discern what things we, we're looking at, the things that should be our uh, attention and given to, we learn that as we practice. If you've been saved for a long time and yet you feel like the peace of God is escaping you, I'd suggest you get back to practice. When the trial comes or maybe you're in that trial right now, start by praising the God who is worthy. Remember, the Lord is at hand. Pray about everything. Be humble before the God whose peace surpasses understanding. Focus on the one true God. Practice these things and the peace of God, the God of peace, will be with you. Practice. But you cannot truly practice these things unless you have been truly reconciled unto the God of peace. I want to go back through 2 Corinthians 5 once more for a brief second. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of others, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I stand before you today imploring you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Understand you are a sinner with no way to pay the debt of sin on your own. Know that in his great love, God made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him, you might become the righteousness of God. This means that when Christ died on the cross, he paid the debt of sin for all those who believe in him. 
And that same Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This morning, I'm saying, come, proclaim Jesus as Lord. Understand that he died for you. Submit to him as Savior and Lord. Make a public profession by coming down front during this hymn of response. Come and experience the God of peace and the peace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. Lord, we ask that it would be fruitful, that your word would remain on our hearts and on our minds, that we would praise you, remember you, focus on you, or that we would just be overwhelmed by your glory. We don't have to understand everything. They would come before you with humility, knowing that you are God, not I. Or if there's anyone in here today understanding that for the first time, may the Holy Spirit be falling upon them in a heavy way. Use this day May we honor you and glorify you in everything because you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Durban Memorial Baptist Church Podcast. If you want to find out more about our church, you can check out www.durbanchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can give us a call or text to 859-813-0369. Also, you can shoot us an email at brad at Have a wonderful day and God bless.